Welcome to the Right to Free Speech Uncensored, where we talk about problems in our world. Today we have a topic on feminism and liberal agendas. And today we have a very special guest. Uh, please welcome political activist, small businessman, columnist for both Epoch Times and Western Standard, and the show host for the Corey B. Morgan Show, founder and former leader of the Alberta Independence Party, and the author of the Sovereignist Handbook, Corey B. Morgan. How are you? Oh, good. Glad to be with you. Awesome. Um, so I guess uh, it's important to note, while we uh, dig into feminism a little bit, um, that the, critici uh, the critics of uh, critiques of feminism are certainly worth considering. Um, they do not represent all the views of feminism, of course, uh, or feminist mu uh, movements, but um, as there's a, a wide range of uh, perspectives within feminism. But uh, our first major point that we would like you to touch on a little bit is um, how feminism kind of excludes men and how um, it, it, it's only focused on women's rights and, and empowerment of, and it, ex, it, it excludes men, even though men can also face uh, gender discrimination and uh, inequality. Well, I mean, it, it naturally gives more of a focus to women, of course. I mean, is the, the female thing in this bizarre old world where we're not supposed to have independent genders. I, I mean, that, that's one of the challenges we're seeing coming with modern feminism now. They're clashing a lot with the, the trans activists because Hey, you know what? I can dye my hair purple, sleep with a guy, and say, "Hey, I'm woman now. I'm with one of you guys, yep. and you've got to include me." And that's rather un unfair to uh, to women who do deal with unique challenges due to their their sex or sexuality. Mm -hmm. So they, they've got some serious challenges. And feminism, I think, if you're going to look at it, it all depends on which decade or generation of feminism you're looking at. And I think part of the problem now is is they've really run against, run out of things to fight against. They're, there yeah. is equal opportunity, there's equal pay, there's all sorts of extended parental rights, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, much, much less acceptability of any outright actual prejudices being held against people because of their gender. Yeah, so we kind of, we, as, as Gen Z's here, because we're both born in 2005, uh, we see lots of feminism going through our schools right now. Like, we can't even have these conversations without getting backlash, right? So I, I guess uh, the, the next point... Um, would be, um, would you agree that it might be too focused on um, individualism? Um, so, like, I argue that the emphasis on, like, individual empowerment in feminine discourse can overlook the ways in which we structure inequalities impact women's lives. Um, I also argue that feminism can always uh, sometimes prioritize personal choice over um, collective action, um, which it limits that movement um, ability to affect social change. Well, I mean, they've got challenges, again, when they're talking about individual choice, but they're trying to move as collectivists at the same time. They have a natural clash that's going to happen. Uh, you know, they say they're pro-choice, for example, but they certainly get upset if another feminist chooses something they didn't agree with. Mm -hmm. yeah, so they've got a lot of identity issues going on. I think a lot of what's happening right now, though, is identity politics in general. Everybody seems like they feel like they have to embrace something to stand out. It's, I have to be different than everybody else. Mm -hmm. I have to be... Uh, that's always existed. Sorry, we're just, we're losing you here. Um, okay, I might be getting some uh, internet challenges here yeah no problem uh, we just missed now? probably about uh we're better now about 15 seconds just go back maybe uh, to to the beginning almost <laughs> i i just think uh current feminism i guess uh i'm kind of 
see where it came from be, to begin with. A, a lot of issues that are happening with young people, the feminists you're running into as well, or, or people, it's identity politics. Everybody wants to stand out. They want to be special. They don't want to be like the rest of the pack. And they wrap themselves in something to, it's like the old thing of the rebel without a cause. You're not sure what you're fighting against, but damn it, I, I got to have something that, that's different with me. And uh, trying to be a group yet an individual at the same time, mm -hmm. they've got a lot of conflicts going on. Yeah. But, I mean, there, are, there was a good cause for feminists in the past, but most of them are gone now. I mean, uh, you know, there, there are even to the point of where they've overshot the bounds, I think, a lot. Mm -hmm. When we get into quotas, when we get into things where you're, you're forcing the hiring, if anything, that's sort of undercutting and yeah. saying that uh, women are too weak to reach these roles on their own. And we know that they aren't. And uh, I guess I, so, I, I, again, it's another cut. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I, I kind of want to. Um, I saw, uh, as you know, uh, Ind Independent Women's Day, uh, uh, the Women's Day just passed, and um, I guess I, I kind of want to touch on uh, Mr. Trudeau a little bit there. Um, I saw one of his stupid tweets, um, and he said, uh, you know, like you said, he um, involved the trans woman, and he said that, you know, remember, trans women are women. And what's your take on that? Because my take personally, and I know PJ, uh, I know you can't see PJ just for the camera angle and everything, but um, PJ also agrees that a trans woman is not a woman. She's part of the LGBT community. Well, yeah, it gets tough. I, I'd like to um, politely recognize uh, a, a person who identifies as trans. Absolutely. To, to be referred to as her. No problem. Absolutely, yes. we'll indulge wherever we can. Uh, again, it comes down to it, uh, as I said earlier, with it, they've overshot it. Mm -hmm. It used to be that a, a trans woman was, in a, a, when I was your age, you could openly mock somebody who was trans. You could belittle them. In fact, people did. And uh, they would have to hide quite deeply in the closet. Uh, but there's also to the point where we would, now we have to indulge fantasy. You're going as close to being a woman as you can, but you aren't. I'm sorry, physiologically, you just aren't. Uh, let, let's be as accepting as possible, mm -hmm. but you Absolutely. cannot enter women's sports. I mean, come on, it's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a oh, completely physiological difference going on. Yeah. Where in Calgary, we've got issues with a trans person, self-identified, but still has all the male nuts and berries going on, walking around nude in a changing room in front of children. Okay, we've got a problem here. And I, I, I think, I'm sure there's a lot of rational members of the trans community that are as horrified with that as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And they've got to start speaking up about the freaks on the fringe among their movement. Absolutely. They've got to say, we don't have to accept everything. We just want to be accepted in the, as, as close as we can to the gender identity we want to move towards. And uh, I also think think you know, lucky i was born I, always, I was always straight i never had to worry about it or wonder exactly about it. all exactly. sorts of self-doubt and and shortcomings but i never had to deal with that but i think a lot of people were born they felt trans from the beginning and they went there absolutely but i think there's a whole lot today who are just doing it because it's trendy they, again as i was talking about is people who just want to stand out oh look at me i'm a white christian middle class person well crap that's pretty dull in the scheme of things canada well to hell with this i'm yeah. gonna say i'm trans or you know i'm gonna yeah exactly now i'm special now I, now i'm different yeah because it's easier than excelling in sports or academia or something you can just uh, embrace something and, and we don't have to indulge everything we, we don't in fact we shouldn't 
No, and I and I personally, and I know PJ's, um, he's he's involved in a Christian family as well. But I personally um, chose to be Catholic, not even in a Catholic family. Um, and that's something that you know, um, gay marriage, everything like that, that was accepted into the church, right? And 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 now, like I try to be as um, as open to this new ideology um, as possible, but it. it does get very very difficult and it, it almost seems like feminists are almost trying to promote trans um movements as well and through feminism um am i do i kind of see that the wrong way or uh, it depends on which feminist you're talking to uh, you know, gen uh, z's particularly a, a self-identified feminist and uh, she's been critical, though, of the at least the, the trans activist element to the community. I, I think mm -hmm. you got to distinguish between the activists and the actual trans people, who I think... Yeah. I, I only know a couple, and the couple I do know, they aren't activists. They just want to live their lives in the Absolutely. gender they've assumed Absolutely. And, and be left alone. They're, they're not in your face. The activists are a whole different uh, ball of wax altogether. But then the feminists, the ones who are fully identifying or, or trying to stand up for women in head, full outright women, are having some serious issues. And the trans activists call them TERFs, trans exclusionary yep. radical feminists. So the, the woke are fighting their own. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I, I love watching it. Yeah. So, yeah. When, it's the, the, when it's the fringe freak show ones, go to town, guys. Rip your eyes out. I don't care. You're showing <laughs> your, just how stupid and ridiculous and extreme you've gotten. Absolutely. Um, and I guess before uh, we go... There is some rational middle ground to be found. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's all. I'm yeah, good. for sure. Um, I guess before we go into the um, the liberal agendas, because that's that's more or less why, uh, you know, we, we brought we brought you here because we do know that you're, you know, uh, found, founder of the uh, of Alberta Independence Party. And I mean, that was that was something as of kind of recent, I, I, I believe, was it 2004? Or am I am I wrong there? Did it get founded in 2004? I thought I read that. I, I founded that back in... Uh, boy, actually, I looked at the Wayback Machine a while. Yeah. I was curious. It was even a little farther than I thought. It was in, like, 1998. When oh, we really? Okay. Wow. Uh, but it didn't really hit a lot of news and everything until about 2000. It kind of hit the mainstream media and really took off and then blew up. Uh, and we hit an election, got our butts handed to us, and, <laughs> and then uh, fell apart due to my uh, lack of experience and, and um, sure. poor organization. Sure. But it was a big turning point for me moving ahead in my political growth, I guess you could say. Absolutely. The party has been uh, revived by other people since then and so on. I'm not directly involved in it any longer. Mm -hmm. But I've, I've always been battling against what I think is a broken system in Canada. The system is broken. Not Absolutely. The people. And that's part of what I cover in my book. No sense railing at everybody in Quebec or people in Newfoundland or people in Ontario. And I'm prone to it now and then. Hey, I like to get on Twitter and be a prick. Yep, but, me too. Uh, realistically, the big issue actually is the system. And if the system could change, then we could accommodate people with different cultures and ideas in different regions. Absolutely. But as it is right now, it's way too centralized. And the only way I can see to reform the system is to sort of kind of tear it down and rebuild it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that that, that Alberta Independence Party, it's still on, on ongoing in a way, correct? It's uh, just because you're, you know, you're not the leader of it anymore. It's still going. How's it? How have you been still connected into it? How's it? How's it uh, making progress? Okay. Oh, terribly. Uh, I, I'm not uh, directly tied with it these days. Sure. Uh, it's being run by uh, a, a gentleman named Arthur Palowski. You might have heard of him. He's yep. an activist uh, yeah. minister. He, he, he got arrested a couple of times out here. Uh, he's the leader of the party now. And... Uh, 
they, they ran in a couple of by-elections and I, they, they couldn't even get past 50 votes. Um, he, he's using it, I guess, as a whatever, as an instrument to forward more other political agendas rather than the uh, systematic thing of Canada. Sure. That's the way it goes. I mean, things I learned, and, and part of what I wrote when I put out the book, I learned, it, it took me from when I was 28, 29, founding that party to now when I'm an old bugger, uh, is that these independence parties don't work. Uh, I, I learned it the hard way others have. I, I think there's room for independence movements, and we've got to change things, and that's still going to be the path. But overtly, independence parties will fail. They always have. Alberta has spawned dozens of them over the last few decades. Sure. And they come and go all the time, and they don't they don't get anywhere. Absolutely. All right. Liberal agendas. I uh, I love this topic. So um, believe it or not, I I ended up uh, I I was uh, I'm a reformed liberal. I was a liberal, you know, when uh, when Trudeau when Trudeau got in, um, I I was very very pleased. I thought, um, and th- throughout the eight eight years it's just been hell um even for young citizens um every every citizen i i don't understand how a minority government's still in um but let's just critique some of some of their their issue or what they feel to be issues um so i believe they have a lack of progress on key issues um the liberal government it's not made a significant progress on any key issues like climate change or indigenous reconciliation or even affordable housing. Um, what, what's your take on that? Like the only affordable housing is in Alberta. <laughs> Just about, or at least in the, in the prairies in general, uh, the, the liberals are a very disingenuous party. I mean, right to the point where they ruined the, the word liberal. I, I consider myself a classical liberal. Yeah. Not what this incarnation of this party is. This party is a self-serving machine that exists only to keep itself in power and nothing else. That's it. So they'll mm-hmm. promise the moon to win, as they did. I mean, Trudeau promised electoral reform. What happened with that? What happened with uh, clean water on reserves? What, what happened with all those things? It didn't matter. And then they play a game of politics of division and, and vitriol and demonizing their opponents so badly that... They, and they've successfully done it. The people are too afraid to vote for any alternative. You feel that suck, but boy, uh, you know, if I vote for that Polyev, he's, he's going to tear the world down and burn it down to the roots. I can't do that. Yeah. He's tied with those nasty convoy people. He's He wants to skin gay people. Who knows whatever other myth they will throw out there. And they will lie, and they do, uh, chronically. Uh-huh. And I, I don't know what it is. I really don't anymore. Fair enough. And, uh, I guess that goes to, you know, the lack of transparency, um, right? Like the government, it, it doesn't have any transparency, it, it, especially no. when it comes to the government issues of Canada, like spending, contracts. We have no idea where our taxpayer money is going and, and they think that's okay, but I disagree and I stand that they need to be open and honest with public and, and its actions. Absolutely, and, and we're seeing right now what I hope maybe is waking some people up an exposure of just what an insult to transparency this party actually is. I mean, their absolute refusal to answer simple, direct questions in the House of Commons over possible for painful for crying out loud, you guys. It shouldn't matter which party is in power. You should be concerned. And you refuse to even answer questions. You refuse to hold an inquiry. You, again, label anybody who questions you as a racist. It's tiresome. And that's what they do with virtually everything, whether you want to talk about any other spin aspect as well. You can't question these guys without being shouted down, and they will not answer anything. So transparency, they need it in a huge way 
but nobody will do it. And I, to lay some of the blame, though, it lands on Jagmeet Singh. I mean, Absolutely. he's sold to the devil. He's got the power. He can force all sorts of transparency. He can force all sorts of things. But he doesn't want to lose his little position of power as Trudeau's little left-hand man. So yeah, they get away with murder right now. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty bold to um, accuse uh, uh, other people as being racist, especially from... Uh, from Trudeau's past, uh, that's that's the only thing that that I can say about that. You know, like uh, we'll leave it there. But seriously, uh, he he's something else. Um, the next thing is, would you would you agree with me of being too focused on identity politics? There's other things to worry about other than prior prioritizing issues heavily relating to gender, race, sexuality, and it, that goes over every other important issue. I know PJ sitting here, he's, he's just wanting to listen, hearing your intel, but he knows for a fact that this government needs to go. Oh, it absolutely does. And we are wasting time on identity politics, and, and they, they are using it as a political tool. Uh, they are inflaming it, they are dividing people, they're getting them fighting with each other, and that makes it, people don't pay attention to everything else that's going on with it. As we see, when we see a big battle, they're going on, Gerald Butts and the rest. Look at this picture of Polyev with some Fruit Loop. Well, and that's something I like to keep tweeting out. There was a picture of Justin Trudeau with Terry Lowe, who's a noteworthy pedophile from Alberta who uh, was involved in the Liberal Party. I don't blame Justin Trudeau for that picture. I understand politicians take a thousand selfies a day, every day of the week, and they don't know every sick bugger who might be standing next to them. But quit holding that double standard. But that's the game the Liberals play. Everything is about your extreme, your extreme, your extreme, and meanwhile they're doing everything extreme behind the scenes. And and it's uh, identity politics is their favorite tool. Yeah. And and they wield it well. And 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 I and I guess we could even go on to the they're just being hypocrites like constantly. You know they're attacking other parties for the exact same thing they're doing behind closed doors. Oh, uh, absolutely, and, and they're sick to the core and the, the arrogance of it. Uh, again, if you want to see, if you're going to get back to feminism, you get back to Trudeau. Yeah. There's no man who's typically more disrespectful to women than a self-styled male feminist. You see that just about every time. If you see a man who was caught grabbing a woman's ass at a, at a function like Trudeau did back in the Kokanee Groper days, lo and behold, it's a self-styled it, it's almost he doth protest too much and uh, yeah. he's hypocritical I was born in 71 the same year as Trudeau was I knew by the time I was 30 you don't go prancing around in public with blackface on Al Jolson was the last public blackface performer and he stopped doing his act in the early 60s yeah. the world knew it's inappropriate except Justin Trudeau yeah, he skates on this, and that's the amazing thing. If it had been anybody else, you'd be finished in politics, but I don't know what it takes to get that man out of there. I mean, there's that whole group of middle-aged women about my age who still just get too aroused when they look at that pretty hair and just keep voting for that man no matter what happens. I don't know what it takes, but yeah. as you said, the hypocrisy is unreal. Yeah, and I don't know about uh, about out, out west by any means, but uh, it, when he got elected, uh, when I was back in, I was in grade five when he got elected. And that's how long I've been suffering with all these idiot, idiotic ideologies. And, and, you know, I can't even speak about anything in my school. Um, I, can't, I can't talk about being, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pro-life pro not only because I believe, in, um, I believe in every child has the right to living and I, and I believe it should be circumstantial, like every other law has rules regulated on it and it should be having restrictions. Um, I, I guess 
like that's a problem to not be able to have these conversations right and that's why we kind of started this too because we can't have the conversations unless uh unless it seems to to be liberal out of out of government I, like it seems like the liberals are just trying to be little men uh, and, and try to put men in this enemy category and, and attack and attack men in every single way when you know he is a man acting as a woman almost and, and, and like you said he's a self-made male feminist even though he's not even a he's just as bad as any other man yeah and, and it's it's i mean the stifling of us uh, but the Japan, you should have the right to differ from me we should have the discussion it should be that's what school is about and there should be respectful to debate yeah not in the room screaming but that's kind of what it's coming to is anybody who's not of the woke aspect gets shouted down and, and yep. out of the room this is wrong this is not right at all or if you look into the once you get to universities you're going to see it and it gets even worse uh we saw that in alberta we had a a professor who'd been drummed out of mount royal university she was invited by another professor to even speak at lethbridge university students got wind of it 800 of them protest in the foyer and the coward running the university said you can't speak here well what is this institution of higher learning if you can't even have the discussion when a bunch of pathetic thin-skinned snowflake babies have a temper tantrum because they don't want their precious ears to hear a view that's contrary to their own that's not raising leaders that's not raising people who are going to be functioning in society that's raising a bunch of pussies we're going to pay a terrible price for it when we need them in the workforce later on absolutely these are a bunch of wimps that can't even take a contrary word or idea and debate it. They just want to shout it down, and it's very dangerous. And this is happening in every university in North America right now. Yeah, I'm actually I as as an as an adult, I'm 18 now, right? And I'm almost I'm looking at the world in a completely different way. It seems than everybody else, and I I'm sitting here. I think I'm a real person, right? I think I'm being pretty real with my opinions. I believe I, I respect everybody else's opinions as best as I can. Of course, I disagree with them, but I always like to use the agree to disagree. That word can't be used anymore because it's either you're woke or you're slandered. <laughs> yeah, that's basically it. I mean, the, the intolerance of different perspectives, uh, they can't accept that they might be wrong. And when you've got the majority of the horde, the screaming masses, I, I like pointing that out to people. Uh, it's frightening when you shove down professors, when you talk about ones. I mean, there was a reason tenure came about, because you have controversial professors come up with new ideas, and you've got to protect them. So that's why we have new ideas, right or wrong. Look at the American history in the 60s, integrating schools. You know what? The professors were opposing having those black kids coming in there. The students were the ones screaming and protesting at the school to try and stop black students from being in there. And it was protecting the free speech of those who stood out from the crowd that led to finally having integration and standing up to the mobs. We've turned it around. And now the mobs are woke. And guys, two wrongs don't make a right. Mm -hmm. and, and these institutions are, are in big trouble right now. Now, um, I guess that goes to cancel culture too, because cancel culture seems to be uh, in the back pocket of the liberals. Yes. I mean, again, if you can shut discussion the, the, the other part of the liberal agenda is, is with where they're going after media but that's a whole separate issue as well but if, if you can quiet down make everybody afraid to speak up you are really controlling you know discourse and actions within a country and and we have that that cancel culture uh you know it's not necessarily trudeau but it's that same wolf mob it's those pitchfork uh, and torch groups yep. there's a pizza place here in, in nearby where they've been just barraged because this guy the owner of it 
made postings on his uh, Facebook page that he said he wasn't going to put the rainbow flag on the front door of his business and he uh, wasn't supportive of that sort of thing. Again, I uh, I used to own a pub. I, I, it wouldn't have bothered me to stick a rainbow, but that's my choice. It has to be my choice. But you see, these mobs are relentless. It's not enough. They can't respect his choice. They can't say, I just won't eat there. I think he's a jerk or I disagree with him. No, they are re reporting him. They've been calling him into the Better Business Bureau. They've been uh, assailing his social media profiles and trying to make false reports about his business. That's not right. They're crazy. Yeah, that's and they're just... relentless and they're indifferent to people. They want to tear people down. This is not good, and this is happening everywhere. I guess we could even touch on, like, even Jordan Peterson. Like, he, like, you know, uh, one of my major, I, I don't know if you ever, I talk about Jordan Peterson a lot uh, throughout our podcast because he brings up so many great points, and it comes from a, a, a perspective of 20-plus years of education in psychology. And psychology also has to play a factor in, you know, the equal pay, you know, behavior, disagreeableness versus agreeableness. Like, there's so many other factors into, like, pay gap and everything other than gender and race and sexuality, whatever you want to call it. And that's where I feel like the liberals are, once again, they're just wrong. Well, sure, and, and people have got to have the, the courage and the ability to call out the fake numbers they talk about, and Dr. Peterson's done that, with the, the pay gap. I mean, yes, if you go over the straight numbers, this many women make this much a year versus this many men make this much a year women are making less. Okay, but again, that's where we got to get into that denial of biological realities. Reality is, it's not birthing people, it's women who give birth. And it does put them at a tremendous disadvantage in the workforce if they want to choose to have children plus move forward with a career. I mean, you can try and balance it as much as you like, but realistically, if you're going to suddenly leave your job for a year or two or three or five or go to a part-time role, I mean, it's a lot of work to raise a child. Good on them, but you, it puts you at an earning disadvantage. You will miss out on promotion opportunities. You will not necessarily go in there. The other aspect is a lot of women choose not to go into the STEM fields. They choose not to. Those are higher paying fields. It's not a, a matter of them being banned from them or pushed out. It's just not where they seem to desire and go move towards. So if there aren't as many choosing to be engineers, which tend to often be highly paid, well, whose fault is that? The openings are there. The equal opportunity is there. Mm -hmm. But we're we're giving this, this false uh, comparison of, of gross wages versus what, again, if it was two women... If it was a woman and a man working in the same office doing the exact same job for five years and, and then it turns out he was making 20% more than her, then yeah, that, that office is being poorly run. But that's not what the case is. They're not talking about that anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, uh, the next point is, uh, you know, failure to address uh, economic inequality. Um, so they, they, like my argument would be that uh, my parents, you know, they're not... They're not wealthy by any means, and I believe that the liberals do absolutely nothing for the low-income Canadians, and they they don't create economic opportunities for growth or for or opportunities for economic growth and prosperity. They just help out the one percentile of Canadians. Well, yeah, and. and... Part of the issue we've got going on, too, is, like I said, the liberals have ruined the word liberal. They're socialists. Mm -hmm. and, and socialists oh, want big government. They can't accept that, that the better way to grow the economy is to get the hell out of it. Get out of the way. Drop our taxes. Lay off some useless bureaucrats. And let us get to work and make the economy hum. 
Instead, they feel we have to directly go in. We have to fix it over here. We have to fix that. I don't know if you've looked up the Phoenix payroll system from the, the federal government. That was started with Stephen Harper in 2016. They've spent $2.6 billion trying to fix it. And uh, they've screwed up the payroll of their own workers by almost a billion dollars. These idiots can't even pay themselves right. They sure can't micromanage our economy. Get out of the economy. You want to get things up so that way people can, your, your parents or me or you, can get out and make more money. Get out of the way and we can do it and we will do it quite well. But right now, every answer to every question is always more government. And that is just costing more and more. Sure. It's an ugly cycle and we're swirling the drain with it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, even with that cycle, it seems to, uh, to um, one, just it goes in circles. Like this, this it's like a, a merry-go-round and it just keeps spinning back and they keep running into the same problems. And uh, before you answer that, I just want to, I want to touch in on, uh, with PJ here, um, because I also understand that, you know, PJ, um, he's working, he works over 40 hours a week. And do you, would you say that you're really getting paid what you're worth? No, definitely not. <laughs> no. I mean, I put in like a lot of work. Like I, I'm, I'm a hard worker, I think, and they like me, but I think I deserve more than what I get. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm in high school in my last year, but I'm still basically working full time. And we're trying to make a move next year in yeah. September out to Red Deer. And okay. it's, uh, it gets, it gets hard when, you know, you're, your government isn't willing to fix their own problems and keep going around in circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's tough. And, and uh, for a person, if they're ambitious and working hard, especially at the entry level of jobs or positions or, or things that are newer, when you get a higher minimum wage, the, the one who works harder won't actually see that benefit of it as fast because you've got this floor that's already been set. Yeah. Uh, the best example I, I can use is, I mean, when I, most of my work in my younger life was in the oil field. And in there, that was very good money, when, when it's going well anyway. Hmm. And it's the, part of the reason the left hates the oil field. It isn't just the uh, fact that it's uh, you know environmental concerns or things like that. It's a purely merit-based industry. If you get into that, I mean, I started as a, a rodman for a surveyor. I was a junior surveyor within three years, and, and I moved up. Some guys got pissed off because they were still robbing after five years. Well, because you sucked, and that's your problem, not mine. Yeah, and absolutely. The oil makes, no, makes no apologies for that. It just promotes based on merit. And in socialist systems, union systems, everything's scale. Everything's a minimum wage. Everybody makes the same at this job and then up to this one, and they move. You don't get promoted unless you put in this many months in this role, not whether you're better than that guy at it. And... Uh, Absolutely. It doesn't reward the person for being a better worker than the others. And in fact, again, it disincentivizes. So the one with ambition, the one who had been working harder, the one who had been innovative, eventually going to get tired as well. Yeah. And I'm making the same as that lazy asshole over there. I might as well just sit around for the extra two hours today too. Yeah, so why not, right? It, it's bad all around. Absolutely. So, so again, if you deregulate, let the cream rise to the top. Uh, conscientious employers, I know it. Again, I owned a bar. You value your employees. You want the good ones. You'll pay for the good ones. Yeah. But you've got to have that pool of different ones that you can start promoting and and uh, absolutely and moving other ones aside, so that that uh, environment's there for them. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> oh, I, I love this. I, I love talking about the liberal government. It's just, <laughs> but I do like your word, a socialist government, a lot more. Um, uh, I really do, and um, it, it goes into you know the lack of fiscal responsibility, and you know we we mediocrely touched on it with uh, the lack of transparency. But 
the lack of fiscal responsibility, it, it, it goes in its own. Um, this government um, is not responsible. It spends way too much money. Um, like you've touched on a little bit, I want you to just to touch on it a little bit more. If uh, you've noticed any major things that they're spending way too much money on, they run up large deficits, and then they're they're expecting you know myself in in fifteen twenty years as a taxpayer to be paying off all this debt that they're racking up without our approval. Oh yeah, well, I mean, the, the biggest initiatives all came out with COVID. I mean, the, the CERB, the the business bailouts, I mean, billions and billions. And then business subsidies to lackluster large companies. You never see subsidies to the guy who just needs 10000 bucks to help his little business down the road get through a hard month. No, it's always a billion dollars to Bombardier or uh, something to SNC-Lavalin. Surprisingly, they almost are always in Quebec. But there's a lot of dollars going into these that don't need to be spent. Uh, but the CERB, that one, I mean, the, the amount they blew, you know, with the excuse with the pandemic through that period is, is frightening. And then to have them, some of them are, are just economically illiterate and being honest about it, and others are just outright lying to us. But to act shocked when inflation hit, to play Jagmeet Singh's ridiculous game of dragging grocers before a committee, absolutely, at them with yep. a stack of papers, blaming them for the rise in price of food, it kissed my ass. You raise the carbon tax year after year after year. You're banning fertilizers. You're putting minimum wages up. You're taxing individuals and you're spending like mad and you're cranking up interest rates. What the hell did you think was gonna happen? And you're blaming a retailer with a 5% profit margin? You guys, this is not right. This is bait and switch. This is bad economics. And as well, it's punishing our successful people, which again is a hallmark of socialism and de demonizing him and taking, you know, Galen Weston. I don't know if he's a saint or a jerk, but I don't begrudge him his money. And there's no sense dragging him around as if he's a, a villain. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. A bad, bad investment climate for the country. Because mm -hmm. why do the heavyweight investors, why would they want to come here and have to deal with that crap? Yeah, absolutely. And then I also, I also feel like it almost is, it's almost like they want us to to not understand the econ like I feel like I know more of, about the economics than the own government our own government does which is sad on on its own level and I also even saw they were trying they they were uh, questioning raising the minimum wage again way 16, up yeah to 1665 um, to 1665 or something and then I also heard even other rumors where they were going to go even further up from there yeah yeah and even liberal economists will say look if you keep doing that all you're going to do is cause more inflation, put places out of business, and cause layoffs. It, it doesn't work. If, you, if, if raising minimum wage got rid of poverty, then quit being such stingy buggers and raise it to 80 bucks and make us all rich. Come on, like, bite the bullet if it's that easy. Yeah. It's not, of course. And all that happens, I went through that in Alberta. When I bought my pub, minimum wage was 10.25. Rachel Notley, the NDP, got into power. That's a separate story altogether. <laughs> she raised it up to $15 an hour over the course of three years. That was a hard hit. Uh -huh. for businesses like ours. When I have servers who realistically are making 25 bucks an hour when you bring the tips into it, but now suddenly my bottom line, I have to start paying a much higher hourly rate to them. So I laid off my dishwasher. Uh, you know, I had to cut back. Plus I raised my prices. And when I raised my prices, my sales went down a bit because people can only afford to come out so much. So in that case, I laid off another server while I was at it. So who really benefited? Yeah. And, and, and that applies across the board is a simplistic solution to a complex problem mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, other areas uh, the trans mountain pipeline this is a deer one out in alberta and you're gonna yeah. hear a lot about it um kinder morgan wanted to build that thing they can see the future they know despite what 
Prime Minister Ding Dong saying all the time, there's going to be decades of demand for petroleum product. Decades. Maybe generations. Yeah. And, we should, we've, and we've got loads of it in Canada. We should be extracting it, selling it, making the most of it while we can. Not shutting it in. And part of it was getting that Trans Mountain expansion. Now, this isn't even a new pipe. This is just putting a pipeline next to an existing pipeline. Yeah. A relatively simple project. This shouldn't have been that complicated. And they dumped and dumped environmental regulations, more and more hearings, more and more consultations, on you go, off you go. And again, if you're from out east, you might not be as familiar with it. Most people would walk through the bush, cross a pipeline that big, and they wouldn't even know they did it. Like, it's just a, a cut line. That's it. It's not this giant environmentally impacting uh, issue. It's, yeah. It doesn't. And we're talking, oh, First Nations is going to ruin their hunting. Oh, BS. Come on. It's, it's a cut line. That's it. Yeah. And, and then Kinder Morgan said, well, to hell with you guys. We can't make money at this. We're out. And since Trudeau had already regulated Energy East out of existence, he'd shut down the Northern Gateway. He can't seem to get CGL moving. This was a little too step too far. He realized, or at least some of the some of the liberals with some brains realized, we can't let this thing die. This is too far. Yeah. It's, so, it's... so instead of getting out of the way, though, they bought it. That gets back to what I was talking about. You just got to get out of the way. That's all Kinder Morgan wanted. They were going to build it with no tax dollars for $5 billion of their own. Would have been perfect. Now it's up, now it's up to $30 billion estimated. <laughs> they still haven't finished the damn thing. Oh, wow. I don't know when it's ever going to be done. They spent $100 million due to shutdowns because they found some hummingbird nests of a non-endangered bird. $100 million. Because when you have thousands of workers all the permits lined up all the equipment and everything else and then one peckerhead with a biology degree says oh i found a little nest in the spruce tree let's shut down this whole section of line oh unbelievable for six months <laughs> only a government project can be that bad yeah and, and uh especially with the government we have like of course they had to get in the way of course well that thing would be running today it would have been running two years ago if they just got out of the way and let kinder morgan finish it Alberta and Saskatchewan and Northern BC could have increased uh, conventional oil production to make, because world demand has been huge this last year, and the whole country would be benefiting by those increased exports from all that extra oil yeah. that could go into more spending, social programs, or debt relief, or whatever you want. Yeah. Instead, we've blown $30 billion on this white elephant, and they aren't even done yet. <laughs> yeah, and we I don't even want to know where, like, what's your estimation of how many more years if we keep this oh, stupid government in here? I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to believe some of the people who are conspiracy theorists thinking their goal was never to get it done, just to keep it on the shelf and keep messing around until finally they'll throw up their hands and say, ah, oh, it's just not economical anymore, and then pull the pin. Yep, and then waste waste with, another billion, billions of dollars. <laughs> Makes sense. I, I know it's absurd. Uh, I mean, maybe it'll get finished. It's supposed to be finished at the end of 2023. I don't believe that for a second. Not at the rate these idiots have been moving. If it's going to get finished, it might get finished next year by the end of the year. So it'll be like seven years late. And uh, by that point, probably be at $35 billion. And, and there's a First Nations group that's been talking about buying it. And they said they're still interested in buying it. Uh, yeah because oh, who's going to give them the money to buy it so basically they're just going to give it to the first nations group yeah and uh well good good on them then fine i hope for the best i hope it generates really good revenue for them absolutely actually helps them uh, uh, get self-sustaining but boy what a whole lot of money to put in for a project to to, to hand off to a first nations group. yeah talk about a gamble <laughs> yeah. talk about a gamble um it, it, a little off topic um but it has to be said. It, Tr Trudeau's relationship with China. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, it's... 
like what what what's your take on it because my take is he's in a he's in support of a communist government it's to the point of bizarre it, it really is i mean it's that far out i mean just we're just talking basic political principle it doesn't matter if it's china or russia or north korea we've got some states in the world that are just not ones that look enough for our interests and we want to keep an eye on them i mean we're very integrated with china we have to be. It's our own fault. We want cheap consumer goods, too. I mean, there's a lot of people screaming about China, and then they go to Walmart, and everything they buy says made in China on the bottom. Well, you're not going out of your way to avoid it. Uh, you're not ready to take that, pay an extra 50% for everything else that's manufactured if mm-hmm. we want to stop all the Chinese imports. So we got to look at ourselves a little bit. But it doesn't mean you have to be such a wimp when it comes to dealing with China. Uh, you know, you, you can stand. Australia has been much more assertive in dealing with China. They've been dealing with a very similar problem with them. And they're closer to China. Yeah. And they, they don't take nearly as much crap from them. And, and Trudeau has always been weak on the Chinese file. I honestly start to wonder if they don't really have something on them, something even beyond uh, the, the exposed dunk and uh, something on, on Justin Trudeau himself, that he's just fearful that they will drop that card on him. Uh, there's a video I shared, and, and some you know, others have put it out. It was made by a group in Taiwan yeah. back in 2016. Now, you might have seen it out there. It's hilarious. I did, yeah, yeah. It shows a cartoon version of a panda with tea bags <laughs> dragging on Justin's face and everything. <laughs> uh, you know, him pole dancing while they throw money at him. Like, they had no respect for him and saw him as a lackey of China back in 2016. Yeah. And, and look where it's gone now. Uh, I, you know, the way that uh, uh, Xi Jinping, no, I'm terrible at the pronunciations, but chewed him out at that summit a few months ago. I mean, this is two leaders, and he gave him a verbal spanking. This was a leader that absolutely no respect whatsoever for Justin Trudeau. Yeah. No diplomas, no soft selling. He, he, he spanked him like a child. That's a frightening thing to have the leader of our, our country uh, in that kind of position. And I don't know why he is so beholden to that country, but it is bad. Um, and, and I would say bad on, on, on our, like, I, I, I'm a little worried to be honest. Like it's that bad for, for me as, you know, as an Ontarian, like I'm, I'm six, what are we? Six hours away from Ottawa. Yeah. Like, you know, we're in a little town in Aurelia, just North of Toronto. And, um, like everything affects us, um, just as much as it's affecting Ottawa, uh, all the major cities we're getting, um, you know, we're, we're getting everything's rise everything's risen in the last few years and yes that has something to do with covid um but it also has something to do with people just not knowing how to run um, an economically sustained um country um and it, it was almost scary to the point where i heard um justin trudeau now this came from pierre polyev right but um and it, that's a, that's another that's another interesting interesting politician that i i, I can't as, as much as I want to be able to put trust into him, I don't know if I can because we've watched governments, um, doesn't matter where they're from, liberal, conservative, NDP, they just all have been screwing Canadians for as, as long as I can. I, I don't even remember. I don't even remember the last good government um, as, a, as born in 2005. I don't think we've had one um, for, for my age. Um, and it's just sad. And it, it almost to the point where I saw, like I was saying, Pierre, he uh, it, it showed a tweet where he Justin Trudeau literally said um, how how China's dictatorship um, is turning the economy around there, which it isn't because China's economy got hit hard. So I don't know where he's getting his bullshit from. 
Yeah, well, Trudeau, that, that, that interview, he said, yeah, I admire China's basic dictatorship. That was his words. Yeah. I mean, what kind of moron even says that? Well, we know what kind of moron says that. And uh, <laughs> he, he does seem to have an admiring uh, eye on that authoritarian semi-communist regime and that's very disturbing for him to think that's a a good way to go in any sort of way but uh, he is the picture of and, and here's a woke term they like using all the time that's fine but they seem to look the other way he's the picture of indulged white privilege he was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth he was raised as virtual canadian royalty that's why he didn't think twice about putting blackface on i don't think he hates black people or any crap like that he was just so involved in himself though that he was indifferent to them that's yeah. the thing with him and people like him uh i'll backtrack in a slight sense i got to go see russia back when it was communist back at the end of the 80s i toured through there went through moscow and everybody's driving ladas and people are waiting in line for crappy food and things like that back then they're living in big long apartment blocks but you go near the kremlin and here's all these bmws coming and going yeah that's the senior bureaucrats that's the political leaders you see trudeau and people like him they don't mind socialism because they realize they are going to be the autocrats on top they'll still like live like royalty it's just everybody else is gonna to have to live like crap yeah and, and uh, i believe he really is in that world and um th that that leads us right into our uh, last point um uh, before I, I do before we um go into this point um eventually um towards the end um i do want to touch on just quickly um how you feel he's been handling the Ukraine and Russia war, uh, right? Because I know it's not directly within Canada to handle it at all, but should he be? Should he be? Should he not be, right? It, should we be putting them in NATO? Uh, like, what's what's your take on that before we go into civil liberties, um, how they disregard them? Yeah, you know, that, that's a tougher one. I'm not wholly against where they've been with it. I, I, I know there's a lot of element among conservatives who think that Putin is liberating Ukraine from a bunch of Nazis, and I think that's a load of crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's sure there's some weird uh, regiments in the army that had Nazi leanings, and if you, there was no way that Ukraine was presenting any threat to Russia. Come on, spare me. It was a, an independent country, and Putin invaded it. That's the bottom line, and I think that the developed world should try to without going into war should try to discourage that as much as possible it's not a trend we want to see uh you know i mean we can go farther back harper wasn't a lot better we haven't been mm -hmm. funding our military or paying our, our share into that right from day one so it's not like we've been pulling our weight I, I i think they've been kind of doing a half decent balanced approach we're offering some aid a little bit of weaponry some money taking in Ukrainian refugees, but not saying let's dive in there and let's put Canadian troops on the ground or let's try and do something more than we can. Mm -hmm. uh, so, I mean, it's not my biggest area of critique with this government. I yeah. got a lot of areas of critique. Yeah, for them, sure. Um, but it, it, it's a delicate area. Absolutely. Um, so uh, you mentioned about uh, a little bit about liberties in, in, in your a uh, couple points ago. Um, so I strongly believe, and uh, I think PJ could cue in on this one, um, that 
the liberal government has shown disregard the, of civil liberties in general. This is the whole reason, you know, we started the right to free speech, even though that's not Canadian. It's the right to freedom of expression. I believe that is a little bit, whatever. Uh, I, I like using yeah. free speech, um, but uh, because I feel like the LGBTQ community falls into expression, that's their freedom to express. I feel like we might need to change some of the wording, but it, that's, a, that's a bigger fish to fry, right? Um Particularly when it comes to issues such as like our privacy as Canadians, um, TikTok still is not banned. I I went down a rabbit hole um, because of that's a China that's a China run. Beijing China owns TikTok, and and you know they're putting in and they can track your keystroke patterns. Uh, they can track your IP address. They have everything, and it seems like yeah they've put a hold on it in the uh, the government, but they haven't put a hold on it within the citizens, and that's a that's a worry. I see a lot of people still using it. Yeah, and you know, well, I think it's a little different too. Difficult uh, for one. Okay, yeah, the governments. I mean, even in Calgary, they did at the municipal level. But why mm -hmm. on earth, with government issued uh, devices, did you have TikTok in the first bloody place? Anyway, yeah. it's not a. It's not an app you need to do your damn job. Do that on your personal phone. No. Uh, I'm not sure if I want government, though, starting to pick and choose which apps are good or bad for us. That's fair. Uh, yeah. Because they might not do it necessarily in their best interest. I think they should be informing Canadians saying, look, <laughs> you, everything you give there into that device is going straight to China. It is. You are dealing with a compromised app. I, I, I guess... But I, I'm more of a free choice. Yeah, yeah. Choice me too. It's not so big on banning TikTok. But tell everybody, look, guys, it's garbage. It's bad for you. Use even another one of the giants yeah. or another one of the you know, I, You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a big TikTok uh, or a Twitter guy. Uh, me and you both. Yeah. You know, we love having our fun on Twitter. Um, that's how I. That's how we came across each other in the first place, right? You know, just I ended up yeah. following you, following your content along, and I'm like, you know what, this guy, if I could get him here, he would be a really, really big inspiration for a lot of people in Ontario, also. Um, and I, and also, you know, because we do want to expand out west too, um, to hopefully reach this, so more people can start speaking out against what they feel is wrong. That's the entire goal for us. Is we just want people to be aware of what's going on in the government, and I feel like civil liberties are getting disregarded our freedom of speech might not exist in five years because of where we're going with 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 it and and i i would argue that they're they're too willing to restrict our freedoms um in the name of security or political correctness oh absolutely i mean we, we've never seen such a huge infringement on our civil liberties like we did through covid with the coerced vaccination. And, you know, I've gotten into debates with other conservatives. I got vaccinated. I don't think uh, Me too. the vaccine was trying to control my brain or putting my microchips in. But it yeah. has to be a choice. It's very personal. You don't get any more personal than injecting a substance into somebody's body. And people say, well, it's your choice. No, it's not. Not if you can lose your job, lose the ability to travel, lose the ability to go to a restaurant, become socially ostracized, lose the ability for post-secondary education. That that is not a choice. Coercion is not choice. So spare me that garbage. And, mm -hmm. and uh, when we're being fed that, telling us that such a coerced thing is a choice, that's a very big threat to civil liberties. Uh, likewise, with the crackdown on the convoy protests, I think they were starting to overstay their welcome. I, I had um, uh, Tamara Leach on my show uh, last week. Yeah. And we talked about that, and, and uh, you know, she felt kind of the same. Okay, we needed an end game. We weren't quite sure, but then suddenly it was bang, 
here comes the emergencies act here comes the the police forces and, and everything hits the fan they didn't even try to converse with them they didn't even consider that they just thought these people do not have the right to protest here and we are going to clean them out you never see them do that with a first nations uh, protest blocking a rail line or uh you know uh, something else going on Absolutely. but in this case they didn't think twice about uh, stepping on again you don't have to agree with the convoy but i can seriously disagree with the way the government chose to deal with them and i i'm in i'm in agreement and and the, the the best part is um i i, I don't know if um if you could I, I know, like, PJ, uh, PJ had direct connections to the protest. His parents participated in that protest, and they participated civilly. And, and honest to God, they were pretty much told not to come back and to pretty much stop doing what is in our charter and what is shown as constitutional. So, you know, where do we draw the line is, is where I'm going to finish because... If they believe that we deserve our rights, and it says in Section 1 of the Charter that we're guaranteed our rights, then why does it not feel that way, right? Yeah, and they were so easily suspended, and we were so easily, uh, a majority of Canadians were coaxed to believe that that was acceptable. I don't think enough Canadians understand and realize how important these rights are. We've gotten spoiled. <laughs> we've had it good. Mm -hmm. And uh, incrementally, we've lost them. We've given them up and allowed interpretations of this charter which used to be something that's supposed to protect us into something that actually they've been in a perverse way used to abuse us now and uh again it comes all the way full circle back to you know my hypothesis from back in my late 20s oh canada's system is broken we don't have an effective means to hold our government responsible we don't have an effective means to protect the individual if he's not with the majority uh, our system doesn't provide for that. It doesn't allow for people to walk against the current. Absolutely. And consequences of that. And they're only going to get worse. So we see C11, C18. This is a government that wants to shut us up. Yep. And they don't want to allow uh, discourse. And it's very scary. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess before we, uh, we finish off here, do you have any uh, other closing points uh, that you'd like to make? You know, we do have... Uh, have a little bit more time here if you if you wanted to talk about anything else I, I'm interested in uh, in this conversation of course like give us a little bit of detail about your book actually like that would be something I would really uh, it's something that I would I would love to uh, to, to read I'm gonna buy the ebook I think uh, but uh, it seems like a very 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 well thought out well thought out book uh, what would you like what's your critique on it I guess if you had one like would you say that it wouldn't apply to everybody because I certainly I read the preface and it seemed like it was gonna it, it it's relatable it, it can be I mean it's definitely Western focused it's called the sovereignist handbook and you know the title of it shows a, a Western uh, yeah. independence sort of uh, uh, scenario it's not, uh, uh, I didn't write it to be really deep. It's actually a fairly short book. It's only 180 pages. And um, it's not deep political philosophy because what I want that book for is for the non-political activists. What this book is, as it says in the handbook, is a guidebook for how to get involved in politics because a lot of people don't realize that if you've never joined a party before, most people haven't, only 2% of the country actually has a political membership. Well, where do you start? They don't teach you that in school. That There's no instruction book. Well, now there is. 
I, I lay down, well, this is how you join a party. This is how you get involved in a constituency association. This is how nominations work. This is how getting on the party executive works if you want to get active. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of it, too, was just giving cases based on, on showing the regional disparity, showing how, again, it's the system that's broken. And there's even a chapter on how to behave better on social media, how to be more effective. Absolutely. we got a lot of people who have the right ideas, but they just don't know what to do with them. So that's what this book is about. It's about guiding them through well learn from some of the many 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 mistakes that i've made over the years and don't repeat them so you can go out and make brand new mistakes and yeah stuff. absolutely and uh but uh things such as that so, so that's sort of the book in a nutshell yeah fair fair enough and um for our for our viewers uh, you know what i I love your content. I, I led. I loved having this talk. Um, PJ, uh, I, before before we go here, um, do you have any thoughts uh, on on what he was like? I'm in agreement with almost every yeah. single thing, no, and I know very cool to listen it, to. It was yeah. it was very excellent to have you on our on our show as our first guest. Right, uh, we really really are trying to expand to to more of Canada. Um, if you'd like, uh, I know your uh, Twitter account, I'll, I'll put that right out here. Uh, your Twitter account's Corey B. Morgan, if uh, any of our viewers want to follow him. Do you have any other major platforms? Uh, Western Times, if we want to, uh, or West, it's Western Standard, sorry. Western Standard, um, yeah. Yep, uh, Western if, Standard, uh, Epic Times, and then you know, I have the weekly show. And actually, my show's just been picked up. It's just going to be showing up on Wild TV. Okay. Uh, I think it's like channel 800 on the cable dial or something sure. like that. But uh, once a week, and uh, no, not too much else to add. I, I, I'm really just glad to come on. Like, like this is, gets back to the book and things like that. I'm talking about getting active, use the social media tools. I think it's fantastic. You guys have put this together. Get out there, get your voices out, get that perspective out on the internet. It, it doesn't have to be a 100,000 download production or, or uh, even a 100 download production initially or things like that. It it takes some getting, but you, you got to start and you yeah. got to get out and you got to have the conversations so uh, you guys are using the tools and i appreciate it i was i was happy to come on absolutely and um no like once again uh the the right to free speech is a, a big big thing and you know we wanted to make sure that people knew you know we added the word uncensored uh we, we had to add that word in today's age because you put the right to free speech everybody walk on well if it's not if it's not woke then well i'm not listening to it you know uncensored so people understand that one, it shouldn't be called uncensored, but it has to be at, at this at this day and age, uh, because like you said, and it comes through my generation, and it's sad to say, but majority of my generation is weak, and and they they can't, and I'm I'm wor and I, I would say majority. I know I wouldn't say all. I know a lot of uh, myself and PJ uh, were different. Um, I have a lot of other buddies that are different too, but I'd say that the core of the group is is protesting and and having wrong conversations they're not open to every every other view and you know what i'm glad that we were able to uh have this conversation with you and uh for you to explain that expertise back to us so we didn't feel like we were out of the loop and it, like we do in ontario most of the times you know we have a lot of a lot more disagreeers and that's just because we're so close to the government yeah, well, I mean, regional proximity to the center of power makes for a different uh, perception as well. So uh, I look forward to you guys getting out here to Alberta. Maybe we'll uh, cross paths when you get out this Yeah, I, I, I'd love to. Um, uh, once again, uh, this is Corey B. Morgan. Uh, his, his Twitter is the same as his name. So Corey B. Morgan, if you, you want to give him a follow, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, anyways, I'm Matthew Worsley. I'm PJ Hounson. And we're peacing.